Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Amen? Tonight, 6 o'clock. All right. I'll take all those amens as you will be here. All right? That's it. I got you. You guys counting those people? Find out where they are tonight, all right? All right. Well, we are in this marriage series and, uh, and it called From This Day Forward. And uh, I always love this time of year. It's always a great time. This year in particular, we were really excited because of the marriage conference that we were doing in tandem with this. And we just did that this past weekend. We had 16 couples that went and invested in their marriage this weekend. And we, we just love that. I'm sure you saw the picture online. It was just a great time. And I had people calling me and texting me saying, you have no idea what this did for our marriage. There are people that told me they stayed up. There's like a winner in this category, so I'm I'm sure the impact was felt. But from the Friday night session alone, the Friday night session alone, I got two messages. One said, we were up until 2 in the morning talking about how we need to work on our marriage and how God's working on us and what we need to do. Another couple said, we were up until 4 in the morning. And I was like, bless God. That is awesome. I love what God is doing in our marriages. So uh, just a fantastic opportunity for us to invest in, in, in those relationships. And so if you didn't get an opportunity to come this year, know that next year it's worth it. It's worth it. Talk to the couples that went. You need to make sure you go, all right? So here's what we're doing in this series. We are asking the question, are great relationships possible? And for most of us, I would say that this is like the greatest point of pain in our life. It's our relationships. It's our relationship with our parents, our relationship with our kids, with our spouse. It's, it's relationships at work or wherever that takes us. It's all of our relationships because we're trying to make them all work. And the answer to the question is, are great relationships possible is is no. They're not possible and not probable if you try to do things the way the world does things. The problem is most of us are doing it just like everybody else is doing it. And we're not looking to God's word to help us understand how to handle those relationships. And and so we're doing it just like everybody else. The answer is no, not if you're going to do it that way. What's funny to me is that God, the creator of all mankind, by the way, he gave us a manufacturer's specifications, right? Like he gave us an owner's manual. When you buy something, it comes with a manual and it tells you how you're supposed to use that thing. It also gives you some cautions about how you're not supposed to use it. Like a hairdryer in a shower is a bad idea, right? It's just not, it's not good to grab the wrong end of a curling stick, a curling iron, right? It's just not, that's a bad idea. There are right ways and wrong ways to use things. I don't know why I'm sticking to hair product things this, this morning, but, but, but that's the best I got. <laughs> there, there are ways to do things. And God gave us his word. It is the specifications on how we are to live out our life, and yet we walk so far away from those things and then just wonder why our, our life is a mess. And so what this series is all about is us getting back to doing things God's way especially in our relationships. The reason is is because it works. It's not restrictive. It's not restrictive when they say, don't grab the hot end of the curling iron. That's not restrictive. That's for your health. That's for your benefit. And God's word exists for our benefit. It actually brings life if we will abide by him. And so the answer to the question about can you have great relationships, are they possible? 
Well, the answer is yes, as long as you do things God's way. And I know that that's hard for some people to hear, especially if you've had a difficult yesterday. You got some stuff in your past. But I want to challenge you and, and share with you this, is that the title of this series is From This Day Forward. Because if you do things God's way from this day forward, you get a reset. You get an opportunity to start over. God basically gives you a blank page to start over and, and forgives you, takes your mess and makes it your message. But he starts with forgiveness. He starts with cleansing you of your past. In fact, he's the only one who can do that for you. He does that. He gives you that blank page. And this is our key verse for the whole message. It's from Lamentations. And this is the prophet Jeremiah who's, who's lamenting. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. So what is he doing? He's looking back at his past mistakes. He's looking at what he's done with his life, and he's saying, man, I made a mess of things. Man, this really stinks. And what he's done to himself because he's reflecting on those things and thinking about those things is he's polarized himself. He's frozen himself because he's stuck. It's like, this is what I've done. This is what I deserve. This is who I am, and he's lost all hope. The Bible says he was downcast. My, I'm down, it's my, my soul is downcast within me. And lo, but I love what he does because see here, we've all done this. We all have a past that we're not proud of. We've all done things that we don't want anybody in our life to know about. And when we think about those things, they make us sad. They make us feel hopeless. They make us feel unworthy of God's love, of God's calling on our life and what he has for us to do. They make us feel unworthy of relationships. And so we isolate ourselves. We get sad. We get depressed. And this is the work of the enemy because look at what the next part says. He says, yet, and I love a yet. I love a yet or a but when you come across it in scripture, right? But that's B-U-T, just so you know that. That's what I'm saying there. A yet or a but in scripture because something's about to change. He says, yet, this I call to mind. In other words, though he's feeling a certain way, he calls to mind something that's truer than his feelings. Hello? Some of you need to hear that. He calls to mind something that's truer than his feelings. He says, I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So he builds his hope by remembering something that's true, because his feelings are not. He said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never failed. Man, I love that. I love that. You know, God, the best part of God's day is when he gets to let you off the hook. When he gets to step into your life and say, yes, this is what you deserve. You deserve pain. You deserve hell, death of the grave. You deserve all of this mess in your life. But I'm going to go ahead and let you off the hook. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to set you right. That's the best part of his day. He loves that. And so if you want to have great relationships with your kids and your marriage, and your dating life, whatever that looks like for you and all your relationships, you need to make a commitment to do things God's way because he's a from this day forward kind of God. In fact, he says that his mercies or his compassions, they're new every morning. They're brand new for you every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so if you want to have this life, you need to commit from this day forward. And, and this, this whole phrasing from this day forward and this whole series is based on a book from Craig Rochelle, Pastor Craig Rochelle. 
that he wrote of the same, uh, the same title. And, and in his book, he said that this phrasing is actually taken from our wedding vows. That we say, I take you to have and to hold in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, from this day forward, right? It, in other words, it's saying like, hey, I've dated other people. I've been with others. I've made some mistakes. I've chosen others. But today, I'm making a commitment that from this day forward, you're the one I'm going to honor. You're the one I'm going to cherish. You're the one that I'm going to love and pursue. You're the one. Now, that he didn't say, from this day forward, I'm going to honor and cherish you plus two or three others. How many of you know that would not fly in the, in the marriage ceremony? That would, just not, that, that would just not happen. He said, from this day forward, I'm making a commitment to you. So in this series, what we're doing is we're making commitments. We're making a decision that from this day forward, if you want God's best for your life, you can have it. But you got to commit to doing things his way. Because regardless of your baggage, regardless of where you've been, that's the power of this series, is that from this day forward, you can have better relationships. Regarding your marriage, there are five things that Pastor Craig talks about that you need to commit to. And we've been walking through them, and I've got little symbols up here, so I need your help. It's no fun to do it without you, all right? So the, the first one is to? Seek God. Seek God. Yeah, come on. Just be louder. Help the new people out, all right? Here, the first one is? Seek God. Right? There, the next one is? Right. Yeah, you guys are awesome. This one is? One. Yep. And then? And then the last one? Never give up. That's right. That's the five commitments that if you'll make them in your life and commit to them from this day forward, your marriage will have a better chance of survival. In fact, it's 50-50 right now. But if you do these things, man, God says, I'm going to move my power. I'm going to shake things up and change them. I'm going to be God of that relationship. And man, you'll have a, a relationship that lasts. And I know that's what you all want, and I want that for you too. So let me break these down real quick for you, and then we'll jump into what we're talking about today. The first one message was seek God. And we talked about how, listen, we always talk about the one that we're seeking, and it's usually our spouse. My one completes me. And we decided, you know what, your one, your priority relationship cannot be each other because we gotta stop relying on each other to be something they can't be. We've gotta stop expecting people to be God in our lives, right? expecting them to do things and be people that they cannot be for us. And so we said, God is our one, our spouse is our two, and together we will seek him. That's what seek God. And we said, there's really simple ways to do that. The Harvard Business School said, if you wanna change your odds from 50-50 of getting a divorce or sticking together, if you wanna change it from 50-50, there's three things you can do. Pray together, talk about the Bible, and go to church. That's easy. They're so easy that we overlook them. They're so easy. Second, thing we, second week, we talked about fighting fair. It's not if you get in a fight, it's when you get in a fight, because you're going to fight. That's just, what, it's, that's just we're, we're, that's what's going to happen. We're all fallen. We're all fallen and sinful and, and selfish, and you're going to fight. But how you fight is important, and James 1.19 tells us how to do it. Be slow, or be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and to handle our anger righteously. Like that's the pattern for it. And so we broke it down and talked about how you could practically do that. And then last week, last week's message was on having fun. And I'm gonna tell you, we had some fun in here. And everybody said, amen. amen. Yeah, we did. We had some fun. I, I, that was probably the most fun I've had in a message was last week. And uh, I hope that you did too. But we talked about the importance of having fun in your marriage relationship. Because if you don't, like fun's not a luxury. If you're not having fun in your marriage relationship, you probably won't have a marriage very long. 
And so we talked about how important it is. Face-to-face fun, side-by-side fun, and belly-button-to-belly-button fun. All right. And some of you are like, man, I missed that message. It was last week. You did. You missed it. But good news is all three of these that you've missed, you can go watch them and or listen to them. If you're on our Facebook, you can like our page and you'll see all of the videos there. Or you can listen to them, uh, download our app or check us out on the iTunes uh, store uh, in the podcast section, all right? But this week, we're gonna talk about staying pure. And the next week, we're gonna talk about relationships that endure. Relationships that endure are relationships that are secure. Relationships where you each know that no matter how bad it gets, nobody's going anywhere. There's, there's some security in that, knowing that no matter what life hands you, no matter what you've done, you both are in it until the end. That's powerful. And that's, we'll talk more about that next week on relationships that endure. And we talk about never giving up. But today we're going to look at how to stay pure. And this is so important, such a key thing for us to learn. And here's your verse for today. It's in Hebrews 13, verse 4. It says, marriage should be honored by all. Now, let me be clear what that means. That means God's standard of marriage, all right? Not what we all have decided that it is. It's God's standard because, he says, and the marriage bed kept pure. In other words, you have an active role in doing that. You have an active role in maintaining your sexual purity and what God's standard for, your, for, that, for that is. It says, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral, all right? You've got a role in doing all that. And listen, there are tons of verses in the Bible on purity. And it's not because God is restrictive. He didn't sit up in heaven and say, listen, I'm going to write a whole bunch of rules about this just to see who's in and who's out. That's not what God did. God said, listen, I'm going to do these things because it's best for you. He's not trying to make it tough. He didn't write his word for him. He wrote it for your benefit. That's why it's there. And so there are many standards that we find in the Bible that many people turn their nose up to, even so-called Christians. They turn their nose up to it and say, well, that's not real anymore. That's not really for us. And, you know, that's not how I feel about it. That's not what culture tells me. And so they, they, they just turn their nose up to God's standard. And yet their lives are out of control and messed up and they can't figure out why or where it went wrong. So what we have to do is come back to God's standard for our sexual purity. Like Ephesians says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Why not even a hint? Well, because God knows that if you just gave in a little bit, just a little bit, that it's a slippery slope and you're going to wind up in a mess. He says, so let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality. And many of us know that that's true, that just a little bit. A little bit is too much for us. The next verse I have for you is 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, cleaned up, right? Cleaned up, made better, stronger, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, let me help you here because we've seen that word a couple times. We've seen that phrasing, sexual immorality. The Bible is written in two languages, Greek and Hebrew. Hebrew is the Old Testament. Greek is the New Testament. We're looking at New Testament verses. And this, there is one word called pornea that translates to the two words we use in the English language, sexual immorality, all right? And that one word, pornea, is where we get the word porn or pornography from. You guys, it, I mean, that, that's a familiar word to you, right? And so what it means, though, what it actually means, like if you were to pull out a Greek definition, like a, 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 a book that says, hey, this is what this word means, a dictionary, 
Every, which is readily available to anybody and everybody who wants you look up the word pornea, what it means here is any sex outside of the relationship of marriage between one man and one woman. That's what pornea means. That's what it says. That includes pornography, that includes lust, adultery, homosexuality, living together before you're married. That's what the word means. And I didn't write it, so don't be mad at me. That's what God said. That's what he wrote. And he said to avoid it all. The verse continues on. It says that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. In other words, God's saying, hey, I know this isn't going to be easy. And I know you're going to have to learn to do this. And so what I hope to do today is to help you, to give you some keys to do that. And then he continues on and says that, says that to do this, not in a passionate lust, not in passionate lust. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, don't follow your feelings. Don't, don't follow your passions. Feelings can't be trusted. Feelings will lie to you. And so we can't base our life or our decisions the way we're going to live our life on feelings. We have to base our lives on truth. So it says, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Let me give you one more verse. And there's actually three chapters in Proverbs, chapter, uh, chapter, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. I'm not going to read them all to you now. But, but those, these are really powerful for you to read because, especially men, I think you need to read them because what it does is it warns you about the allure of lust and our passions, of, of our feelings. Because if you give in to them, if you pursue them, it will literally cost you everything, everything. In fact, Proverbs 5.8 says, Keep to a path far from her. This whole chapter is talking about the adulterous woman, the woman who would lure you into her bedroom, the woman who would, who would say, it's okay, come on, it's all, come off of God's path for your life. It says, keep, off of her, keep a, to a path far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Don't go away from God's standard for your lifestyle. One more verse so that you can really see that this matters to God. Look, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says, flee sexual immorality. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It says flee pornea. It's like run, forest, run. Like get away from it as fast as you can. You think you can handle it. You think you can manage it. And you have this casual, casual attitude towards it. And so you try to and you will always fail. You cannot manage it. You need to run from it. Run from it. For me, I don't know, know if you guys have ever seen the tattoo on my wrist, but it's this exact verse to remind me. This was one of the greatest struggles in my life was sexual impurity. And I said, I need to be reminded that I'm not mine. It actually says proof of purchase right here at the top of the tattoo to remind me I'm not my own. I belong to God. And why is that important? Well, some of you, some of you non-Christians or people that are not Christ followers in this room are probably thinking, man, that's too difficult. I don't know about all this, Aaron. Run from all that stuff. That doesn't sound good to me. And you know what? If you're not a Christ follower, then you, your body's your own to decide what to do with. But for those of us that are Christ followers, those of us that have said, Jesus, you are Lord of our life, we've decided that his way is best and that we're going to follow his way. Because the reason is, or the reason why is because Jesus paid a price for us. In fact, here's the trade-off. Jesus came from heaven. He's enthroned in heaven in glory. He came to earth, born as a baby in a manger in humble circumstances, lived a pure and perfect life, and laid down his life to be crucified on the cross. This is the Son of God. And he did this willingly for us because there's nobody that could do it. See, there's a gap between us and God that was created by our sinfulness. 
and it, a price needed to be paid for that. Jesus being perfect without sin died and when he did that, he bridged the gap between us and God, creating a relationship, a restored relationship with God. So not only do we get this restored relationship with God, we're, we're reconnected with our heavenly father, but we also get a full and fulfilled life here on earth and we get eternity in heaven. So what God asks us to do, and we, those of us that have made that decision to make Jesus Lord of our life think that's a pretty good trade-off. You want my sinfulness and my past? You can have it. I'll take your life and eternity in heaven. I'll take that. We think it's worth it. And because we say it's worth it, because we've declared him Lord of our lives, then it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we want to do. We have to, to live our life by his standard. He gave his all and his best, so we need to give our all and our best. That's what Christianity is. It's not church. It's surrendered control of our life to him, even our body. So we don't get to own ourselves. God does. We don't get to decide how we follow God based on what we think. We live our lives based on what God says. We follow God's way, not our own way. And we all have to determine at some point in time what we're gonna do with that. Which way are we gonna live? His way or our way? Now I've got a perfect illustration for you, Derek. Will you bring up my wood and just kind of build, a, build a, a little fire right here? An illustration that I saw, and, um, and, and I really love this because I think it perfectly describes what we're talking about today. Yep, just build that up like a teepee, Derek. This is Derek, he's our creative director. Show some love for Derek. He, uh, he is responsible for how this whole place looks from the lobby to our website, all that stuff. And so many of you don't get much of an opportunity to meet Derek, but uh, Derek is, is uh, incredible with what he does and he's building our teepee here. And so, so here's what we're gonna do um, today. I, I'm gonna start a fire here. I think that's pretty good, Derek, that's good. Yep. And... Uh, <laughs> we're going to start a little fire right here. And um, some of you, I, listen, I think everybody loves a fire, don't you? Everybody loves a good fire. I think guys have this thing where we just want to, we just want to like watch things burn. You know what I'm saying? We want to, we want to light a fire. I love a good campfire. I like gathering around one because it generally means that there's going to be s'mores, right? Ah. You guys ever had them s'mores with like the Reese's cup instead of like the Hershey's? Come on, somebody, that's good. Look, there's people standing in the back of the room. They're a little concerned about my state of mind right now. <laughs> They're like checking for the exits. Like, where is this, where is this gonna go down, right? Like, is, listen, why are you concerned right now? Because everybody loves a fire. Everybody loves fire. Your problem with the fire right now is where I've decided to do it, <laughs> right? You're like, if this was in a backyard with some chairs gathered around, I'd be there, Pastor, but you're about to light the stage on fire, and I'm up out of her, right? I'm gone. Look, there's somebody standing next to the door right now. He has identified the exit. <laughs> so what I want to say is it's not the fire that's the problem. It's not the thing that's the problem. It's the, can the thing be contained where I've chosen to use it? It's like, hey, it, it, the wood, the fire is not an issue. It's where I've chosen to burn it. And so the same is true with our passions. The same is true with our passions, with our passions. And I think, unfortunately, the church has communicated this poorly to people. And I apologize for that. But in the church, when we have passions inside of us, the church says, not you. No, you don't get to. Don't do it. Stop. Bad, bad passions. Settle them down. You don't get to have passions inside. That's not okay, and they tell you to just stop. That's what most of us heard, but you know, that's not the message of the Bible. 
In fact, God created passion in your life and he wants you to have it. So it's fine to have passions, you just need to, you can't have them in the wrong place. It's important where you place your passions. Passions aren't the issue, containment is. So don't just stop your passions, just put them in the right place. Because God doesn't condemn you for having what he created for you to have. He, he doesn't condemn them for how you feel. He made feelings. But the enemy lies to you and tells you it's okay to put your passions wherever you want to. That it's never going to bring you pain. It's never going to bring destruction in your life. That you should go the way that you feel. But that's not true. Passion isn't the issue. Containment is. You need to capture the, the emotion and put it towards something powerful. For example... There are young people in this room. You are rebellious against your mom and dad. You are rebellious against your teacher. You are rebellious against the system. You, you want to buck every last bit of the status quo and how things are done. Do you know what I say? Keep being rebellious. Some of you parents are like, excuse me? <laughs> boo, I heard a boo. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, don't misunderstand me. Be rebellious, but be rebellious in the right way. Rebel against the devil's plans for your life. Rebel against the world's ways and that they're trying to suck you into the same mess that they're in. See, there's, that's the idea is capture the emotion, capture the feeling, and put it in the right place. Rebellion put in the right place is a powerful thing. And so we need to keep the emotion, but put it in the right place. I'll say it this way, and if you're taking notes, passions need parameters. Your passions need parameters. God has a standard that makes your passions burn bigger and brighter. And we need to reject what the world says about us, that we are old-fashioned, that we are boring and sterilized, because we're not. We are the most passionate. The church is the most passionate. The major difference between us and the world is According to Galatians 5, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. In other words, we've submitted our passions to the one we serve, not like the world. The world just lets their passions run wild. And we let God determine our parameters. So today I'm going to give you four things that will give you parameters around your purity life. Because purity matters, guys. Look, if you get this right, your life takes on a whole new passion. Because most of us can't say that. Most of us, where we sit right now, do you know that 70% of men are addicted to pornography? That means 70% of the guys in this room are struggling with that. They look at or view pornography once a month. 50% of marriages are headed towards a divorce. And I'm gonna tell you, nobody signed up for that. Nobody signed up for that. Nobody, nobody is celebrating. I can't believe it. I'm finally addicted to porn and my marriage is coming to an end. Woohoo! Nobody says that. And yet here we are. How did we get here? Because we built the fire in the wrong place. We let our passions run wild without parameters. And so here's your first parameter. The first thing you need to do is to make a commitment to God's standard. Make a commitment to God's standard. Today what I'm doing is calling Christ followers back to God's standard. Because culture today is asking you to live contrary to God's standards. Even so-called Christians nowadays are calling you to a standard that is not God's. And God's word 
he's going to say some things that are unpopular in culture. And when he does, when God's word and what culture says you ought to be doing and how you ought to be living clash, what are you going to do? It's important how you respond to that because if God is your God, when he says something that you agree with or when he says something you disagree with, you do it. But if God is not your God, when he says something you disagree with, then you just completely avoid it. You say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But he's God when, he, when your opinion, how you feel and what he says collides and you get in line. He's God, you aren't, and I'm not. A lot of people ask me what I think about the political debate nowadays and what's going on in in the culture with our sexuality. And they want to know, how do you feel about this? What do you think about that? And anymore, do you know what I say? I don't think anything about it. You know why? Because I don't have to. I don't have to have an opinion about it. God's word already tells me where I need to land. I don't need to have an opinion about it. I don't need to have a feeling about it. I have nailed my passions to the cross of Christ. He's my God. And when he tells me something that's contrary to how I feel, I've got to decide to get in line or decide he's not my God. But he's my God. And God has spoken on things. He's got the manufacturer's specifications for my life. Where else am I going to go to find that? The world doesn't know. And so as a Christian, I don't need to have an opinion. I have God's word. It tells me his best for me. And I'm not saying that this is easy, and God, doesn't know, God knows that it's not easy for us either. He, he absolutely knows that. But can I help you out? Can I just say something into this current culture? Stop having so many opinions. Just stop having so many opi- opinions about things. Look, your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will lead you astray. Opinions and feelings are not facts. And as Christians, we have to look to God's word to understand truth, which is a fact, which is the established truth for our lives. Look, Psalm 139 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. That's how we do it. We look at God's word, and that's how we remain pure, because God's word isn't against you, it's for you. His ways lead to life. So we need to commit to God's standards. The second thing we need to do is to manage my mind. Manage my mind. Any place there's sexual impurity, or any impurity for that matter, it starts in your mind. Some of you say, well, that's not true, pastor. I just fell into sin. No, you didn't. You did not fall into sin. Sin is not a ditch. No, what you did was you thought about it. You went and got the shovel. You dug the hole, and then you laid down in it. That took several weeks before you got to the point where you actually did the thing you've been thinking about. That's why I don't believe in one-night stands. There ain't no one-night stand. That's a two-week stand. You've been thinking about that thing for a while, right? Some of y'all, he's just being a little too real today. I'm just not sure I can handle that. But, but, But the thoughts, any of those thoughts, they start off with your eyes and your ears. This is what the Bible says. In other words, what happens in life is you'll see things that look good or you'll hear something that sounds good. It looks good, sounds good, but let me tell you, there's a hook in it. Don't bite. Don't bite. Temptation is going to come your way, and you need to guard your eyes and your ears. 
What that means is I'm telling you, you need to be active about monitoring what you watch and what you listen to and what you allow in your life. Look at this. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a girl. He says, I made a covenant. That means he made a decision long before he ever got put in front of a beautiful girl who was scantily clad walking through the park. He made a decision. I'm not going to look. I'm going to look away. And then he lived a life that supported that. David said, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. They made pre-decisions on what they would allow in their life. This is a proactive position instead of a reactive position. Because a lot of you think you can manage it when it comes. Like when the temptation comes into your life, you're like, oh, I can just manage it when it shows up. No, no, you can't. Not if you haven't made a pre-decision. If you haven't made that decision, you will fall in to the ditch. So don't let it in at all. I call it closing the gateways or guarding the gateways. There are some gateways in your life you can guard. You can get accountability. You can get filters and things on your internet and on your phones. You can do all those kind of things. For me, everything for me is locked down. My phone is locked down. I don't have any way to access any kind of material. I don't have YouTube on my phone. I don't have Facebook on my phone. I don't have all kinds of stuff on my phone because it gives me unaccountable access to material that I don't need to have access to. I don't need it. My phone is locked down in such a way. I don't have certain forms of social media because they have no filters on them. I, I don't have them. I, I might, even my Netflix account is locked out so I can't watch anything above a PG-13 TV show or movie. Say, Aaron, that's extreme. No, it's not. I've made a decision that I'm not letting that stuff in my house. I don't even have the pin code to allow access in my house. I don't even have access to the Netflix account because I don't want to watch something, log in, and then clear the history. Uh-oh, did I just get in somebody's world? Because that was mine. I could watch anything I wanted to and then just clear the history. My bride would never see. Nobody would ever know. So I don't have, all that stuff is locked down for me. You say, my God, Aaron, are you like that like close to like losing it? No, not all the time, but sometimes I am. Listen, it took me five, listening to me, whatever you spent your time on building that relationship, it takes you one second to lose it. We're all just a moment away from stupid. We just need to land there, right? <laughs> I leave nothing to chance. So I guard myself. I made some decisions, and I backed them up with a plan, all right? Managed, I managed this stuff way ahead of time, not when it comes my way, not when it's face-to-face -face with me. And you do well to do the same. Manage your mind. The, the next thing that you can do, the next parameter, is to magnify the consequences. This is a powerful thing. In Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, it basically describes what will happen to you if you choose to follow the adulterous woman, if you choose to follow your passions and live your life according to your feelings instead of God's best for you. And it essentially says you will lose everything you've ever worked for, and that's true, you will. You absolutely will. I call it imagine the de devastation. This is what I do when I'm tempted. I walk through the devastation that will occur in my life, and I always start with my wife. If I were to give in to sexual temptation and sexual immorality, I will have to look at my beautiful bride who loves me and supports me. 
She's my ride or die, man. I'll have to look at her and tell her how I failed her. Or someday be caught and have to face the consequences of that. So I lose my wife and I break her heart. And then I have to look at my kids and I gotta talk to my kids about what I've done and to destroy the relationship and how I couldn't control myself, how I didn't, I wasn't wise enough to put a plan in place to keep myself from this thing happening. And how I, I must not have loved them enough, must not have loved my wife enough, must not have loved me enough to protect that relationship and to protect my home. I would lose my home because I can't afford that standard of life. I'd lose my kids. I would lose my way of living. And then I'd have to come here to you. And I'd have to tell you, hey guys, I messed up. And then there'd be a vote. And then I wouldn't be your pastor no more. And then some of you might leave the church. Some of you might walk away from God completely. And then I've got this relationship between me and God. Oh, and don't forget the people that are my haters who are standing there waiting on me to mess up the whole time going, I knew it, I knew it. Do you feel the weight of this right now? This is just my life. Imagine the consequences in your own. If you'll magnify those consequences before you make the decision It'll keep you on the straight and narrow. And I do that. I talk to myself out loud. Aaron, if you make this decision, this is what you've got to do. And by about half, I can't even get past my wife sometimes before I'm already in tears going, no way. I'm not doing that. That's the truth. That's the truth. This is a habit that I live. In fact, Proverbs 6.32 says, but a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. In other words, he didn't think about it very much. He lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. So what does your destruction look like? What, what does it look like? What are the consequences of your choice? I want you to have passions, but you need to have those passions within parameters. And the last one is maintain proper relationships. Maintain proper relationships. Man, that means that you need to nurture the good relationships in your life, and you need to get away from the bad relationships in your life, the relationships that are taking you on a path that is contrary to God's best for you on a path that is contrary to God's word for you. One, for me, one of the number one relationships that I can nurture for my sexual purity is my relationship with my wife. Because you know, when I love my wife, when I'm pouring into that relationship, when I'm building it up, when I'm pursuing her like I ought to, do you know what happens? Temptation comes along and it's laughable. It's like, please, I love my wife. I'm not gonna do that. I love that woman. There's no way I would do that. That would be a complete violation of our relationship. It's easy to say no to impurity because I'm in love with her. But not only with your spouse do you need to maintain that kind of relationship, you need to have people in your life who have permission to ask tough questions and say difficult things to you. As a pastor, I have this. I have three pastors that are overseers of me and they know my sin. They know my struggles. They know, they know about my leadership. They know about where, what, what I'm trying to do and how God is working in me. They have permission to speak into my life and say difficult things to me. They call it like the last 10% because most relationships in your life will be about 90% honest with you most of the time. But you need people in your life that are gonna go to that 100% and give you that last 10%. Because in that last 10%, it contains truth. It contains the blind areas that you can't see the stuff that you don't know, 
that you don't even recognize because you're so used to and accustomed to how you've been behaving. You need people in your life that can speak to you and call you out on that last 10%. Not only do I have my overseers, but my directors and the other pastors here on staff, they can call me out and speak to me and say, Aaron, look, man, I'm seeing this in your life. Help me understand what's going on there. And I appreciate them and love them. There's others, I have my executive leadership team. That's my board. Because see, I, I got vision in my heart and I got passion for days. And they're like, hey, Aaron, you need to slow down a little bit, bud. You're going to make a wreck of things if you keep going that fast. You got to slow down. And they're there to correct me if I need it. And they have, and I love them for it. You need to have people in your life that you cultivate that relationship, that you nurture that relationship with so that they can watch over you and see what you can't see, to see those blind areas. Because I can fool me all day long, but I can't fool all the people all the time. And you need people in your life to, to speak into yours. Because I want to finish well, and I want to honor God, and I know that you guys do too. And if you want to, you need to maintain those proper relationships. You need to understand the value of it. And it's found here in Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now look, I'm not sure where you're at today. I don't want to assume I know how you're responding to this message. I know I understand it's a lot. I understand it's very countercultural too. I get it. But I know that you're in one of three places today. The first place that you might be is in an area of defensiveness. Well, you've heard what I've had to say about sexual immorality, and you're like, no, 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 Aaron, that's, that, it's not that bad. I can manage the situation. No, you can't. No, you can't manage the situation. Or, well, I can see a little bit of skin. It doesn't affect me that way. Yes, it does. I guarantee you that little bit of skin that you're looking at, guys or gals, is impacting your marriage relationship in ways you don't even understand. I promise you that. I promise you. You say, well, Aaron, your wife is nice and mine is mean, and that's why I do this. It's easy for you. Look, you're giving me every reason why you are the way you are. You're like, hey, we're just young and we're in love, and so it's, it's, it makes more sense financially for us to live together. Someday we're going to get married, and look, I'm going to tell you that, that if you're a Christ follower, this is in rebellion to God's word for you and to his best for your life. If that's where you're at, I'm gonna challenge you to soften your heart to God's way and to his word. Second place you might be is a place of remorse. Where you hear what I'm saying and you're like, yeah, Aaron, that's me. You're right. I'm dirty, I'm disgusting, I'm a sinner. And that's just who I am. No, you're not. See, the devil wants you to feel that way. The devil wants you to feel like what you've done is defined who you are today and will define your tomorrow. Now that's simply not true. That's a lie. You are not what you've done. You don't need to carry shame because you've done a bad thing. Shame says, because of the thing I've done, I'm bad. No, that's not true. Maybe you've done a bad thing. We've all done bad things. There's two words in the Bible that speak of this is condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is from the devil. And he says, he says that because you've done bad, this is who you're always going to be, and this is why you're going to hell. And this is who you will always be. You will be stuck. No way out. 
but convictions from God. And it says, hey, you're a sinner, and here's the way out. Here's the way out. Here's my gift to you. You can be clean again. And that's why the third response, this is where some of you might be, this is the best one. It's repentance. Repentance is the Greek word metanoia. And it means to change your mind. It means, God, you're right. I changed my mind to be in line with what you have to say. That I thought I could handle my own life, but I couldn't. I need you to forgive me. I need you to set me right. I need you to change my mind. Look at this last verse, and I'm all done. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance. Godly sorrow, conviction. Like, man, sorry for what I've done. Godly sorrow leads to salvation. That means you get saved from the mess that you've made. He says, it leads, it brings repentance that leads to salvation. And here's the best part, it leaves no regret. In other words, this is the best thing you can ever do with your life. Is to say, God, I've made a mess. Forgive me. Set me right. That's the best thing you'll ever do with your life. You'll not live with any regrets if you do. But it continues on. It says, but worldly sorrow brings death. In other words, if you don't repent, if you just ignore God, if you ignore his pleading for you and just try to feel your way through it, Ignoring all he has for you, it ultimately destroys you. Let's pray today. Father, I pray in this holy moment that we would just be so bold as to ask a question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me as a Christ follower today? Lord, and I pray that whatever that answer is, Lord, for some of them, it's, it's going to be to confess, and they need the courage to confess, and I pray that you would give it to them. Others of them, it's going to be to get in a group so that they, they nurture those relationships so that they can have accountability. Others of them, they need to manage their mind, and they need to filter their internet and their screens and those gateways as they're coming into their lives. They're going to need wisdom to know how to do that. Others of them, they just simply need to turn off certain shows or but ultimately, God, all of us need to make a commitment to your standards for our life. The parameters that you've laid out for our passions. And God, we pray that you would help us to do that. There's others of us here that are in improper relationships, and today we need to cut them off. We need to just be all done, cold turkey. And God, that's going to take some boldness and some strength and some wisdom to do it right and to do it now. Others of, people, others of them here today, God, they need to have a conversation. They need to have a conversation with their spouse. They need to have a conversation with their small group. They need to have a conversation with a friend, and they need to confess, hey, here's what's really going on in my world. And God, I pray for them as they do, but Lord, I also pray for the person that hears that confession today. I pray, God, that they would hear that confession with all the grace and love and forgiveness that they have received from you for their sins, that they may love them to a healthy relationship with you, God. Lord, take us through purity and revive our marriages today, I ask in Jesus' name. And there are those of you here today as we continue to pray, you can keep your heads bowed. You'd say, Aaron, I'm far from God. I've been walking far from him. Well, I got good news for you. 
It doesn't matter how far away from God you walk, he's right there with you. You can't walk far enough to a place that he's not. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And today, if you're ready to say, Aaron, I need to, I need to get back to that relationship, to that priority relationship, whether it's your first time or you're here today and you need to make a recommitment to God, no matter what that looks like, I'm here to tell you God is just waiting for you to turn to him in prayer. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you wanna be counted in on that prayer where you have a relationship with God, not religion, I don't want you to have religion. I want you to have a relationship. If you're ready for that relationship, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I would love to count you in on that prayer. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me, that's me right now. Yeah, awesome, awesome, come on, be bold. Yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so proud of you guys. Man, that's awesome. Church, let's pray together. All those of you praying this prayer, repeat these words after me. Just mean them from your heart. Jesus, I give you my life today. And I pray that you would give me yours. Forgive me. Make me brand new. And show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.